Hey everyone, welcome to Build Talk. This week we're going to piggyback a little bit off of last week's episode, which was all about social media etiquette and how to help avoid or at least reduce some of the arguments that have been popping up in great numbers on social media as of late. So I received a lot of feedback, a few suggestions on what I might cover in this week's episode. But I'm going to start with a letter. And if you don't mind, I'd like to read this letter and then kind of take it from there. So if you could bear with me, take out my reading glasses here. I want to make sure I get this right. And here we go. To whom may be concerned? We are approaching a crossroads as a country, and there are two distinctly different roads to choose from when we arrive at that intersection. Before we get there, and believe me, we're getting close, I have a few thoughts I'd like to share. And I hope these thoughts can be taken into consideration before we ultimately decide which of those roads to take. First, perspective. If you haven't had a loved one stricken, or God forbid, taken by the coronavirus, how can you relate to someone who has? How can you question their feelings and opinion as to how and when we should move forward with reopening things? If you haven't lost your job, how can you relate to the feelings and opinions of those who have? How can you question their eagerness to return to work and feed their families? If you haven't had to close or suspend your business, yet be responsible for the expenses that still remain, how can you relate to their economic anxiety and desire to open or reopen as soon as possible? If you've received a stimulus check, how can you relate to the angst of millions who've paid thousands in federal income taxes every year, yet they received nothing in the mail last week, and they won't be receiving anything in the mail this week? If you've never had to rely on tips or gratuities to feed and clothe your family, how can you relate to someone who's had that ability taken from them? There are many circumstances and experiences that have led to mental, physical, psychological, and financial difficulties for millions of Americans, all of which has transpired through no fault of their own. I think that's a key point here. The bottom line, in my opinion, is this. If we can find a way to focus on what really matters, physical, psychological, mental, and financial health, if we can all exercise personal responsibility as we continue to tackle and overcome a brutal situation that no one asked for, if we can think creatively and open our ears at least as much as we open our mouths, if we can acknowledge that coming together to eliminate economic dependency on other countries is worth whatever effort it takes to reach the compromises required to make it happen, if we can exchange ideas and opinions based on the premise that there is still a lot we do not know. And just because you say something loudly or add more adjectives to the statement, an opinion does not become a fact. If we can accept the fact, and this perhaps presents the biggest challenge of all, not all the decisions that will be made will turn out to be the right call. But if those decisions are made with the best of intentions and they are based on all of the information available at the time, that will have to be good enough. 
Last but not least, there is the issue of R-E-S-P-E-C-T, as Aretha Franklin once so eloquently sang out. If someone respectfully offers up a thought or opinion you happen to disagree with, respond accordingly, with respect. They may never change your mind about the issue or topic, and you'll probably never change theirs, and we need to be okay with that. As we close in on that intersection, that crossroads, if you will, we can choose to work together to balance the demands of everyone involved. We can tap into the best and brightest minds in medicine and healthcare to make our comeback as safe as it can possibly be. And we must withhold the urge to cast blame if and when setbacks or experience during the comeback. We can leverage the financial engine, the greatest financial engine and system the world has ever known and combine it with the ingenuity and work ethic that has brought us, the U.S., to where we are today. We can keep everything in perspective while respecting the perspective of others, and that's a big if. We can and we will turn the ultimate setback into the ultimate comeback. God bless the USA. I wrote that letter and I was hesitant to post it because uh, I felt that no matter what the situation is today, uh, almost everything seems to be politicized. And I think that's sad. And this particular issue and all of the collateral damage and all of the trickle down and trickle across effects from it, the health, psychological, physical health, mental health, uh, financial health, all of those things do not have to be political. And the economics do not have to be political. So I'm not in any way trying to make this that way, period. Um, I will say this, and I've got a couple of uh, key points that, that I also jotted down here because I want to make sure that they get covered. And Never has there been a time when unity, cooperation, and compromise has been more important for the United States of America. Never. I don't, I don't think. We've had tough times. We've had things to overcome. But right now, based on where we're at today, that unity, that cooperation, and compromise is at least as critical as ever, if not the most critical time as ever. So how about I put it that way? The letter mentioned the crossroads. And it mentioned the economic collateral damage that's been thrust on employers and employees all across the country. This is a big, big deal. And um, there's been talk uh, I've seen on the news about ramping up. Maybe have businesses open into 25% capacity, then 50% capacity, and so on. Sounds good. But for many businesses and many industries, the math doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. The cash flow doesn't work. In fact, in some cases, it's almost better for a business to not open at all and wait till they can open 100% if they're able to survive it than to open up incrementally. There's a lot of detail and a lot of data behind that. I'm not going to go into it right now, but the cost of doing business is extremely high. And in most cases, you need to be running on all cylinders 
to make what in many cases are paper-thin margins to keep your business afloat. And along those lines, one thing that, uh, that I really feel strongly about that, that really needs to be communicated and addressed as frequently and as deeply as possible is kind of a basic lesson on how the economy and how business works. If you've never signed the front of a check, you're not fully aware of how business works, in my opinion. And I'm a business owner right now, and we are shut down in two of the three businesses that I'm a partner in. And it's very, very difficult. Um, and I also know that over the years, I've worked with hundreds of business owners and entrepreneurs, and they all had some things in common. They took a chance. They were out to grow and work as hard as they could to grow that business. In some cases, to pass that business down to you know, their successors and their family, a son, a daughter, someone else. There were a lot of different reasons why they started, but they all had that entrepreneurial spirit. They all had that work ethic, and they all took a chance. Many failed. And in many cases, it was due to a lack of capital, a lack of planning. There were reasons sometimes that maybe there were uh, contributing factors that were out of their control, but for the most part, it was lack of capital, bad timing, just, just things that generally um, had nothing to do with being ordered to close down and suspend operations. That's why this is such a different, in my opinion, such a different situation. Um, I wish that some things maybe could have been handled differently in the beginning, but that's behind us now. And it's not worth looking back. It's done. We need to look forward. And we need to figure out how we're going to come out of this as safely as possible. And one person who I've heard speak out and speak up, and he gets my attention every time he talks, is Mark Cuban, one of the most successful business owners in the country. And he seems, in my opinion, to do a really good job of balancing the health and safety issues with the economic issues that are involved with our comeback. So he gets it. And he's signed the front of many a check. And he was also the first, to my knowledge, to go ahead and pay his employees at the arena when the NBA season was suspended. And then, you know, many others, if not most, followed suit. But I do believe he was the first. So that's part of it. Here's the other part of it. I've heard a lot of people say that we can't afford to, to bail out all of these businesses, small businesses. They say that somewhere between 60 and 70% of Americans work for small businesses. And many of them, estimates say up to 25% or more may not come back. What I hope people can understand is that regardless of the cost that may have been incurred to keep all of these businesses alive, and it would have been significant, I believe it pales in comparison to what ultimately will be billions, if not trillions, of dollars in lost revenue that will not be coming in to local, city, state, and federal government through taxes because those businesses won't be there to pay them. Those employees won't be there to pay them. That cost, in theory, would go on for decades. The cost to keep the businesses alive would be huge, 
but there would be a finite time span on when that money would be spent and how much money would need to be spent. So I, I think that, uh, again, can't change what happened. Just talking about moving forward. Because whether you realize it or not, when those local governments, state governments, and federal governments don't have the money to pay their bills, who do you think is going to ultimately be responsible for footing the bill, for paying those bills? Just something to think about. So, in conclusion, it's not a political issue. It's an economic issue. And I think what might really help right now is if we drop the R's and the D's and we focus on the dollars and the cents because that's going to impact all of us. We first have to focus on the health and safety of as many Americans as we can, especially those who are the most susceptible. That's got to be job one, is, is safety and health. And somehow balancing that tightrope, high wire act of balancing the health and economic issues. Man, that's going to require a lot of work and a lot of compromise. And I pray to God that as a country we can do that. And like I said, put the R's and D's aside. Ultimately, it's going to be about dollars and cents. Everyone's dollars and cents. Everyone's financial future and financial security. So that's, uh, that's how I see it. And one more time, you may have noticed that I didn't exactly count, but I'm sure there were at least a handful of times during this episode that I either started or ended a sentence within my opinion. Everything I've said, everything written in that letter was in my opinion. That's all. You have yours. I have mine. I'm just sharing it because ultimately we face approaching that crossroads and we have an opportunity as noted in the letter to set forth on what could be the ultimate comeback after what has turned out to be potentially the ultimate setback. Just some food for thought, in my opinion. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope you have a great day and a great week. We'll see you next time.